Welcome, one and all, to the Star Trek Universe podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek Universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Beginning New York Comic Con as we are virtually, like everybody else, a tier, not being able to attend in person, but with the big Star Trek Universe panel here today at New York Comic Con, the Metaverse, and we've got your Star Trek Lower Decks, we've got your Star Trek Discovery, but the biggest news, Matt, came at the end. It did. uh, The revelation that the forthcoming animated Nickelodeon tune for kids, uh, Star Trek Prodigy, will star Kate Mulgrew back as uh, I was going to say Pete, Captain Janeway, which is what both The Hollywood Reporter and Deadline had. But we know better back as Admiral or retired Admiral Catherine Janeway um, and there to help the kids on their on their journey of uh, of exploration. I got to be honest, I was not wild about the premise of this show, that it's not where the rest of the Star Trek is right now, though it's part of the Star Trek universe, I think was illustrated um, or, or was coloring that uh, opinion from me. But you throw Janeway, voiced by Kate Mulgrew in there, and now you got me. And uh, I, I think we need to pump the brakes a little. This is a cartoon. Granted, Lower Decks is a cartoon, and, and I think has exceeded our expectations tremendously. Okay, so it's not to say that it can't be great. It's obviously aiming for a different audience, Okay, Uh, but we've proven now that, you know, Star Trek again can go back to animation. Um, But you have me a Janeway. I'm going to I'm going to check it out. And, uh, you know, I I can't say that we're going to podcast it because I I think that's a decision for a little down the road. But uh, I'm now uh, very much interested in, in checking this out. Yeah, I think it's certainly it, it, it cuts through the buzz of other things. Indeed, Pete. As of this recording, the only thing mentioned at the uh, at the Star Trek Universe New York Comic Con panel that made its way to the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline was this news. So everything else kind of, you know, falling on falling on deaf ears. At least when it comes to those industry trades, uh, I know Pete. There are reactions uh, like you know I can't stop crying over this news. Uh, you know they've done it. They've they've brought my childhood back. Things like that. I think, as you said, it is important just to remind everybody that that is for, you know, it's for Star Trek Prodigy, the cartoon for kids. So I'm sure it's going to be inspirational Janeway, and I certainly don't want to at all sell her short as a character on her own merits, nor one who, you know, who, who changed Star Trek fandom and, and you know, had this wonderful face on television uh, as a woman in charge, clearly in charge of her own life her own crew, etc. But expect a little less of the best Janeway moments ever on Voyager and a little more on, you know. All right, everyone. In today's episode, Paco discovered that uh, UV rays can really burn your skin. So let's talk about using sunscreen on those sunny days. After all, your skin is yours to protect. Da-da-da-da! Like, it's that kind of cartoon. Not, not, you know, the more adult-skewing stuff. And there had been a lot of talk that, oh, they want to do a Janeway show. I'm, I'm talking fan talk, okay, speculation. 
and who knows what of this came out in in whispers but is this the ideal project that we would have Kate Mulgrew come back to reprise the role? It's not. I'm still super hopeful we will see the character in live action again. The same way I'm hopeful that we're going to see the Lower Decks characters in live action at all. Because I think there's now that interest in, in terms of the, the fandom with how well this first season of the show has gone over. Um but yeah, I, I, I think again, and, and I don't think we're naysaying this. Um, this this is now bringing me to this show. I would have checked it out regardless because it's Star Trek. Okay. Um, but this is now firmly bringing me to this show. But I wish it was my, why can't it be live action Janeway? Well, I think there's probably, an, I mean, first of all, the desire for, Star Trek Incorporated to be A, growing the fandom, B, giving different options, and C, selling those options to different um, people who will buy it. You know, because we've obviously had CBS All Access, the forthcoming Paramount Plus, um, as, as the primary driver. But internationally, Netflix, Amazon Prime, now corporate sibling Nickelodeon getting in on it. So I think there's a certain level of, hey corporate sibling you'll buy will sell money will trade hands everybody's doing well but uh, i mean but taking the show on its merits for what it is uh i don't think it's a case pete of uh it being as christopher pike said sometimes it's wise to keep our expectations low rather it's let's keep our expectations for what it is which can be a charming wonderful inspirational show for children which is a little different than let's say you know the classic trek animated series which was definitely skewing towards children but also intended for the family which is more than just children so just just kind of knowing what world it's living in and what world it isn't intended to live in you set those expectations properly so we got that news at the very end star trek universe runner i guess is the the title <laughs> at this point alex kurtzman uh segued to that but prior to that we started with the Lower Decks, uh, and we're not going to go into any of the spoiler information in case you haven't watched uh, the finale that began streaming today on CBS All Access. We will be podcasting that Saturday. Get your comments, get your feedback into Fantastic Geek so we can include that in our podcast. But uh, Will Wheaton hosting that panel, and we had all of the lower deckers, even though uh, the Tendi actress uh, couldn't be there. Noel Wells with everybody else just sent in a little thing, and they very cutely, uh, you know, took some shots of her and changed them up every time the camera went away. Uh, and we had the bridge crew as well. Yeah, little. Uh, to me, there's a note of curiosity that Noel Wells couldn't make it, but could make the quick video. And maybe it was just as simple as there was a scheduling thing, you know, whether it's personal or professional, whatever it is. Um, it was evident, particularly Pete, in this weird lens. You know, normally when we go to New York Comic Con or when there's coverage of a major convention, you kind of get it through the one lens. You know, like New York Comic Con, we're there in the room, we see it. Or... You know, if it's San Diego, you kind of you see the clips online, but there's not necessarily a through line. But to have that experience of virtual San Diego Comic-Con and then virtual Star Trek Day and now virtual New York Comic-Con, it's like 
hey, it's the crew of uh, Lower Decks getting back in the Zoom boxes, just like they were, you know, last month. That was cool. And just like they were, you know, six a weeks month ago that. today was Star Trek Day. Uh, Pete, hashtag it's all connected somehow. I'm not quite sure, but it's clear the rapport that they have stories oh pete i almost said something spoiler let me just say this to hear that jack quaid was at a uh you know not a star trek convention a general comic-con convention with his uh with his uh the boys co-star uh, carl urban and they cross paths with another person who exists uh in the world of star trek uh and that they had a discussion and that 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 actually quickly bore fruit um in relation to shall we say the season finale of uh, lower decks the the enthusiasm that jack quaid had as a fan as somebody who got to meet name redacted at a convention when he is you know the what second build on the boys and there he is with carl urban and everybody's having success and he's saying oh my goodness there's so and so from a star trek show um his enthusiasm bubbled over pete uh, Jerry O'Connell, I don't know why he does these uh, Zoom conventions from the outback or the hills behind his house, or I don't know what it is, but it, it's it, that's fun. And then just to see everybody there, they clearly have such a great rapport with each other. I've made no secret on the uh, Discovery podcast where we're podcasting Lower Decks that um, Dr. Tana is my favorite character. I just love the, the grumpiness and I think the cursing helps. And I'm not even a cat person. I'm a, I'm a dog person. But to find out today, okay, and I didn't know Jillian Bigman was voicing her and didn't go looking for that or anything. Um, but to uh, realize that Jillian Bigman played the, the cranky girlfriend in the hangover movies and that she's also Pam in uh step brothers and that she voices this cat doctor on star Trek was like a, a, a moment for me. I only wish Matt, my only wish would have made it perfect was that it would have been in MSG sitting next to you who I've not seen in person uh, since February, I think. Yeah, yeah going to see Birds <laughs> um, of Prey. Right. Okay. Other than, uh, you know, over a, a Zoom call or what have you, because um, we're missing that out. But we're we're all missing that. And yeah, the the enthusiasm was there. And um, this show, I think, has been far more popular than they even hoped for. Something else I took away from that that panel, too, was my continued admiration for Mike McMahon. Uh, we spent time on our Star Wars Mandalorian podcast talking about, uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about, but we spent some time saying, hey, you know, in the future, who's going to be in charge of the Star Wars brand? Uh, maybe it's Favreau, maybe it's Filoni. And I know back to Star Trek, obviously Kurtzman is here for, you know, I think there's at least three years left on his five-year deal and this epic thing. And by all indications, it seems that he's running Star Trek uh, in, in a very healthy way. But Mike McMahon, you know, lengthy history in animation, you can tell he's so enthusiastic about running a Star Trek show. And it happens to be Star Trek animation because that's his background. And I, I, 
I wonder, I hope, I dream, does the day come where Mike McMahon, you know, I don't want to suggest that animation is little leagues and there's big leagues, but does somebody say to him, hey, I want you to now be the number two uh, overseer of Star Trek Universe. Or, hey, can you run an animated show and a 10-episode live action? Do you want to be co-executive producer on on, uh, Strange New World? Something like that. He just has that enthusiasm. Even down to Pete at the very end, he kind of had a kiss the ring moment where he, he thanked unnamed Star Trek person who I was referencing before. He thanked host Will Wheaton and uh, essentially the Star Trek brass at CBS for entrusting him to this. And he wants to be making good choices. And uh, he just clearly has to reverence for Star Trek. And you hope he continues to have a relationship with Star Trek. And I think like a Dave Filoni, it will be a logical progression. Like you said, it's Kurtzman right now. And despite, uh, you know, the constantly made up rumors that he's assaulted uh, another mode of communication, uh, he's here. And Star Trek is, it seems, perpetually expanding in terms of uh, what they have going on right now. Um, but I, I do think that McMahon at some point, I mean, he's, he's written live action. He wrote a short track. Um, and you know, that was part of the discussion with the, uh, the panel today in terms of, uh, that talent, which we will discuss on Saturday, because again, spoilers with the finale. Um, but it was an ebullient, uh, panel and, you know, outside of the spoiler discussions, of course, talking about season two uh and you know where they are in terms of telling the story and who will be included and that stuff certainly revealing it was and also as we discussed off mic it was taking place in a slightly weird place in that season two has been completely written and i don't know the animation workflow but i can only imagine you know rough drafts of the scripts or first drafts of the scripts have probably been given to the actors. They've recorded those parts. It's been taken back. It's been put into sketches, get a feel for the timing of jokes, the timing of uh, animated, uh, animated jokes, et cetera, et cetera. So they're existing in this world where it's like, I wonder if in season two, meanwhile, everybody there has gone through a version of season two all the way to the end. Uh, I would assume, and if not the very end, then darn close to it. But I get it. I get what's going on here. I get the the dog and pony show that there is. And to just, I don't know, that 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 look forward that they do have even though for them it's a backward look forward and the pride that they have, the congeniality that they have with each other, it just it's always nice to know people are getting along behind the scenes. Particularly Pete, you know, I've been going back and listening to our older Star Trek Discovery episodes when, you know, showrunner heads were were chopped off and people were fired and so on and so forth. So it's nice to know that there's peace in in Star Trek land. Yeah, and it was great seeing the rapport um, we hadn't seen in the uh, previous Zoom calls, uh, the whole voice cast here, particularly the uh, the bridge crew. And to get that, uh, you know, and, and Don Lewis and the discussion with Tawny Newsom and, and their rapport and everything there. And uh, obviously Fred uh, Tadasior, um, you know, as as this legend of, you know, uh, voiceover uh, acting and the amount of stuff that he's appeared in. Um, 
you know, further enlightening in terms of the, the voices behind this show. Cause let's be honest, I mean, animation, it's acting and, you know, it's, uh, all the stuff we talk about with Hollywood, but not seeing the faces. And then, you know, even to trained fans such as ourselves, you know, you, you have these moments sometimes like, Oh, Oh, oh my God, it's that guy who, or that girl who does the voice for that. Oh my God. Pete, as a way of transitioning to the second half of the Starship Universe panel, I'll just note that though the panel as a whole, the two-part Lower Decks and uh, and Discovery panel, was introduced by Will Wheaton and then he emceed uh, the, the Lower Decks one, um, quickly as things transitioned to Discovery, uh, he was no longer in charge of the panel. It was, a, it was a different moderator for the Discovery portion, which is more than fine. But just want to mention kind of the shape of it, which is all of a sudden there was a discovery portion. And then at the very end of that, it was like, oh, we have one more treat. And there was the uh, the news of Kate Mulgrew. And then it just kind of ended with no like, and thanks for coming out, everybody, or no return of Will Wheaton or no return of the moderator. So a little bit of editing here, but 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 that's OK. I guess it just happens in transition. Yeah, and I think the Discovery panel, what with their third season premiere a week from today, Matt, can't come quick enough, uh, treated to the opening scene introduced by Sonequa Martin-Green and the panel moderated by Sarah Rodman. And really, to me, and, and we've been in the presence of Wilson Cruz on many occasions with a lot of the cast, and... Not that they don't, but he always elevates. And the discussion as uh, a person of color, Sarah Rodman, saying, you know, I, I look out at the Zoom and in the boxes here, and you guys look like real life, the representation. Um, and, you know, Wilson Cruz saying that's because that's it is, and it's the easiest part. And, you know, why Hollywood should get behind it. And I, I just the other thing with with Kurtzman and um, the showrunner, Michelle Paradise, talking about how they uh, were, uh, Pete, co-showrunner. They made that very clear. She's the co-showrunner with Alex Kurtzman, okay. which is the first well, time I heard it put like that. Exactly. I just want to point out, by the way. Um, but but they were very clear to say that she's the co-showrunner and Alex Kurtzman is the other co Oh, okay. All right. I mean, let's be honest. She's on the, she's on the full day to day, but whatever. Okay. We, we know the courtesy that, that Kurtzman is get, uh, is getting in terms of that, but, um, that as they were cutting the show, as we had gone into lockdown and how prescient it is. So I'm really looking forward to that. Plus, given what we've seen, and we've not seen a lot at this point, but given what we've seen, it looks strangely more epic. And the first two seasons haven't exactly been, you know, small dramas. We had a Klingon war. We went to the mirror universe. We, we fixed all the problems at the end of the first season, ran into the Enterprise. Second season, this sprawling Red Angel mystery that was really well done we spin off a pike show that we can finally matt you know finally say oh yes this will be a tv show after you know more than a year of, of speculation and now discovery as far ahead as possible 
um, completely unshackled in terms of what they can tell. But as we got several times, uh, the, the beats in the panel, you know, still reverent to, to canon, um, seems even more epic. The, the, the colors popping, uh, the, the shape of things, and I'm really, really stoked for this to return next week. Michelle Paradise asked about that notion of the wide open future. You're now outside of canon. You're outside of, of all other expectations and whatnot. And Pete, I don't know if you caught Michelle Paradise's answer. She said, uh, this season, it's been so great to take advantage of it, as well as in season three. I think she slipped there because you know, we all know season four is happening, but there has yet to be the official. It is, Matt. It is, despite what some of those silly gooses say on Twitter, just to get their. They're clicks not going to give the silly gooses. Right. There you go. But um, yeah, it was interesting too that there, she was given the specific question: Why nine hundred thirty years in the future? And the very frank response. It's fine, you know. She didn't say finally, but it's outside canon. There was some Enterprise, you know, future stuff. Enterprise uh, J, probably they're referring to, that had some kind of references there. So the show now being outside of all those expectations, which uh, from the from the uh, the fans who will never watch again, but watch every episode and tell you what's what's wrong with modern Star Trek. all those quibbles now seemingly gone. And it did occur to me, Pete, something that we've discussed before, which is if you can rewind before Michelle Paradise was the co-showrunner, if you can rewind before Alex Kurtzman was the sole showrunner, if you can go back even before Berg and Harberts were the showrunners in season one, in the beginning of season two, uh, when it was a Brian Fuller joint through and through, his initial, initial desire for this new Star Trek was to make it an anthology where each season it would be different everything just like american horror story you might have actors come back or or whatnot go to a different era um and and what have we done we had (laughs) we had the war season we had the mirror universe season and you kind of season in quotes i know it was chapters within season one then you had the 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 search for spock slash red angel arc season uh, then you had the the war against control. Now what have you done? You've completely reinvented everything in the Star Trek universe, lowercase u, except for Discovery and your sets and most but not all of the characters that you've had for the first two seasons. And you've rebooted it now to a new time. And your and your logo and, you know, uh, a little bit of, of the, the feel. Um, I always wanted discovery to be set in the far flung future. I think what they did was a, was a compromise. I think the plan was always to go really far out as they had. I, I think they're here to stay. I hope they're ho- here to stay. When I say here, 3,188 the year, um, and really looking forward to yes, the, the wide open nature of it, but come on, you know, character, uh, played by Ian Alexander, telling us, though we saw it in the the trailer there, that that Gray is a trill. Okay, I mean you can see the writing on the writing room whiteboard. Okay, here we have a race that has an alien inside them that gets passed down to different people. Huh? 
how can we tell the history of what's gone on? Oh, you mean this character is like a living historian that can say, well, back when I was, and I'm not, I'm not saying that Gray is a Dax. I'm just using Dax as the, the trill that we all know and love. You know, back when I was Pete Dax in, you know, 27 whatever, you know, right after uh, Enterprise J cleaned up things with the uh you know the the interdimensional bad guys from season three of uh enterprise like all that is is possible they can play with whatever they want i think canon's become a little bit of a dirty word with where we are right now because you know there was a time when it was hip like oh is is this canon does this count and now it's like but this phaser um, isn't canon because it doesn't have the little hand phaser on the top that Kirk had and I had in 1972. Therefore, this is not Gene's Trek and, and on and on and on. Um, so I bristle these days, even when it's official sources, when they, when they talk about this idea of canon. This Star Trek which launched all this other Star Trek we're talking about today, okay, has been critically, commercially successful and helped to usher in a Picard show, an animated cartoon, Strange New Worlds Coming, this other uh, cartoon with uh, Mulgrew now participating, okay? So uh, though a Four Seasons not been formally announced, <laughs> It's been written and they are in active production in Toronto. Um, I can't wait for more discovery. And this season is so wide open. Like I, I lay awake at night, Matt speculating, like as, as I've been rewatching season uh, one and two, like, well, what will their finale look like at the end of season three? Yeah, and I mean to see the uh, the enthusiasm of old pro David Ajala, uh, who said that he first uh, got into Star Trek because he did Hamlet on stage and the, <laughs> and and then the movie version of that that on stage production with uh, oh uh, as he said Patrick Stewart oh wait Sir Patrick sure. Stewart which Patrick. Pete I took that as confirmation that the the uh shall we say the respectful mandate that he must be known as sir patrick stewart amongst star trek uh folks uh that that, that is indeed um <laughs> indeed being enforced uh if only amongst uh the, the the members of the queen's realm but to also hear blue del barrio and ian alexander two you know real newcomers talk <laughs> again in this in this weird they will be on but have been in um yeah. uh you know, kind of way, but to hear them talk about their enthusiasm, I must admit, Pete, I did not know that Ian Alexander is only 19 years old, a wee baron. I mean, um, yeah. And Blue Del Barrio. And like you said, their enthusiasm and to hear the story from Anthony Rapp about a first day on the set and how seasoned and if there were nerves, it, it didn't feel apparent but th this, like every Star Trek before it, the inclusion, the representation, and how important that it is. 
Pete, let's shift gears here. Still staying with Star Trek Discovery. As I was looking up some information on the uh, the season three cast, I came across something that I have seen you or not. We must be 930 years in the future, for I have episode titles and you do not. Do you want to go through this list? Well, do we want to do that outside of our Discovery season three preview? Pete, not every episode has a title. I, how about this? I, if, if we put just the titles out there, I think it would make for some good discussion. We could dig a little deeper because one of them, Pete, you are going to need to marinate over. Okay. All right. So here we go. The season premiere, which the first two and a half episodes are out already. That Hope Is You. Okay. Episode two, no title announced. Episode three, no title announced. Uh, but we do know that it is directed by Johnny Frakes. And uh, written by Bojan Kim and Erica Lippold. I just mentioned that, Pete. I'm not going through every writing credit that I'm looking at here. I just mentioned that because Frakes was in the forefront in a Trek movie interview where he mentioned that he directed episode three. And it's Bojan Kim and Erica Lippold. And Frakes, again, who I have to admit I forgot, had spoiled months and months and months in advance, had spoiled the Mirror Universe twist in season one. Um, but point being, he's a good, uh, good source of info. Uh, episode four, Forget Me Not. Episode 5, Die Trying. Episode 6, Scavengers. Episode 7, Pete, I Hope You're Sitting Down. Written by Kirsten Beyer of the the, the, uh, the Voyager novel fame and part of the Discovery writing room from the, the initial phases. Pete, uh, can they... And Star Trek Picard, Matt. <laughs> and, absolutely, absolutely. Pete, the name of the episode, Unification 3. Huh. Think about that. Unification 1 and 2 were the Spock TNG episodes. Uh, the Sanctuary is episode 308. Pete, also directed by Jonathan Frakes. Now here's where things get interesting. Episodes 9 and 10, Terra Firma. And those are two separate um, release dates. So I'm assuming it's going to be later called Terra Firma Part 1 and Part 2. But a double-length episode. Uh, hopefully it's not 30-minute 30, 30 episodes. Uh, the Citadel is 311 the good of the people is 312 and then the season finale uh is outside where are you getting these uh i'm getting these on the ever reliable uh wikipedia who let's see there are links to trek movie there's links to uh the freaks um the freaks interview um yeah it looks like mostly trek movie so because Spoiler Pete's got to be um, up front here. I hadn't really gone looking for things. I know some things. It's interesting that you said episodes two and three are not given titles there. Um, I wonder how much that plays into spoiler territory. Um, Let me update yeah, my and- source, Pete. I'm, I'm reading the footnotes better. Uh, looks like it's the WGA, the Writers Guild uh, website, okay. uh, has okay. that has that info. All right, um, but not two and three, which is very interesting. Um, which is where my brain goes. Unification three is definitely interesting, um, and that it would be that cheekily named an episode when parts one and two were back with the next generation um yeah let's push play man i'm i'm super ready to watch this season of discovery um 
it it feels like so long since we've seen these characters. I mean, 2019, it's it's nearly been two years, closer to to a year and a half, a year and three quarters, but uh, super ready since they made the jump. And I think Star Trek is ready again for a wild, open story. Um, Obviously, they're going to deal with the races we've dealt with before. It's not like there's going to be the the gleep glops who have who have come around and you know we're going to see vulcans and andorians and klingons and and all this it it will continue to be that love letter to everything that's come before they'll be new but i doubt we're going to get a a brand new borg uh you know a, a brand new uh baddie unless i hope to be very wrong and you know unification 3 is you know, uh, tipping towards that and, and not some kind of Romulan thing. I, I think it's probably a, a red herring. Um, the decision to bring the trill in, which I mentioned before, uh, I think really cool. And I love that they're dipping their toes, pun intended, into some Deep Space Nine stuff. Um, obviously, with as much that was on that show in, in terms of trill backstory and, and culture. Uh, I just, I'm looking forward to some surprises, Matt. Yeah. And I think that's that notion of surprise. That's what has me most excited for this upcoming season as wonderful and truly wonderful uh, and delightful as lower decks has been part of what makes it great. Part of what's baked into the lower decks recipe is the familiar and the old and and that's okay but i'm also looking forward to the brand new and saying you know there was a lot of time spent maybe a little bit too much spent in the panel you know talking about the technologies of the future and indeed it was kurtzman to reel it back and say we're not just going for willy-nilly technologies it's stuff to serve the story and so forth but you know star trek discovery is the bedrock of this modern era of star trek and all these other shows are, are outgrowths from it, either a little darker or a little more character-driven or, or uh, animated or whatever it might be. And I can't wait, get, wait to get back to this modern mothership of Discovery. So we'll be bringing you our season one finale of Lower Decks in the next couple days. Uh, we'll be bringing you the proper Star Trek Discovery season three preview uh, early next week. And then, Matt, before you know it, we're going to be sitting down on a week from Saturday and be podcasting uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 301 episode. But we got a little real-world stuff to get in there as well, and you could be part of that. Yes, we, uh, as we said on social media, and we'll, we'll keep this, we'll keep this short and sweet, Pete. Uh, we are supporting the Trek the Vote uh, campaign, and we're certainly not here to change other people's minds. But if you are supporting that too, uh, we are running a contest. Um, the Trek the Vote virtual convention is going to be Tuesday, October thirteenth at six p.m., uh, and we're going to pick four listeners that we're going to sponsor to be able to attend that. Uh, the Trek the Vote campaign is being held in support of the Biden campaign, so everybody's up to snuff with that. Uh, though our podcasts usually avoid direct political discussions, you know, ultimately now is the time for action, we decided. 
Uh, also, uh, anybody who gives to the Trek the Vote uh, effort, uh, we're going to be hosting a fantastic geek uh, Zoom chat uh, Saturday, October 17th. So if you've given already, if you're going to give, whatever that is, uh, in the podcast description, there's a link to a Google form where you can tell us, yes, I'd like to be in the running for the contest, or, hey, I've already, I've already donated to Trek the Vote. I'd like to come to the Fantastic Geek Zoom, and uh, we'll be in touch and take it from there in this, uh, in this time when, hopefully, Pete, we are Starfleet. Really, really looking forward to both the Trek the Vote and then to the Zoom that we're going to have with some, some listeners uh, we did a, a zoom uh, toward the uh, finale, the series finale of uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that was a blast. Really looking forward to the Trek enthusiasm a uh, week from Saturday. So we'll, we'll get that first podcast done and then we'll be talking to people that night. Maybe they will have even already listened to our first podcast, which will be out that Saturday. So, Pete, in response to the season finale of Lower Decks, in anticipation of the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery, with thoughts about Star Trek Prodigy or prognostication about season two of Star Trek Picard, how can people talk to you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,586 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH. All one word. Like it today. We'll be next talking Star Trek for the Lower Decks season finale, but uh, the whole series retrospective, previewing Discovery, talking about Discovery, all in the near future. For now, though, Pete... I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Talk to you soon. <laughs>